overwhelmed, Bretto. It is perhaps the number one challenge our Wellness Couch listeners face. It's also the number one reason why many listeners can't get to our live events. Well, we have listened to our listeners and we are putting on our first online event, Release Your Overwhelm. So exciting, MP. Put Saturday, November 23 in the calendar. Log in from your phone or your TV or your laptop anywhere in the world and tune in to... Kim Morrison. Brett Hill. Marcus Pierce, Wendy Stewart. And Jason Witten. Release your overwhelm about time, relationships, money, your body, and most importantly, you. Access is just $10 and available at releaseyouroverwhelm.com. Book in now at releaseyouroverwhelm.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Kim Morrison. Oh, and I'm Cindy O'Mara, because dear Karen is not with us today. Yeah, she's just um, doing some important uh, health checks right now. So we're just (laughs) going to have her fill the void by an incredible guest, which we are really excited to welcome back to Up For A Chat, the amazing Kirsty Worth, who is the founder and creator of Cultured Wellness. She has become not only an extraordinary uh, spokesperson in the health industry and certainly championing the cause around so many issues around health and wellness, particularly around the gut, but she's also become an incredibly dear and very special friend of ours. And we're so excited. We'd like to think that it was because of us she moved to the Sunshine Coast. Um, but this week, what we would really love to do, beautiful Kirsty, is I would actually love to take the opportunity to ask both of you if I could interview you on an incredible trip that you've both just been on to the Solomon Islands. So firstly, Kirsty, welcome back. And Cindy, I'm going to welcome you to our show. Thank you, Kim. And thank you so much for having me. Gosh, it's been too long in between podcasts. I'm so glad to be back. Yeah, Mm. it's really nice to have you. And I just, let's get into this because Mm. you two have done something pretty extraordinary. Kirsty, could you explain to us what, well, first of all, for our listeners that haven't heard of you or heard you and haven't listened to your previous podcast, perhaps just give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself and then what took you to the Solomons? Yeah, so um, I come from an education background and it's my greatest love is educating on all topics and for a long time it was outdoor education and in um, a university setting and it, it really is my greatest love and then I had, as everyone does, um, when you have a significant health journey or a health crisis, you really dive on into and learn so much about um, what's going on for you. And that was certainly the case for myself and for my son, Noah. So I've been on this grand adventure of learning all about the gut, extra studies about the gut. And it got to the point that um, I ended up starting Cultured Wellness because what I'd learned and what I'd found was so um so empowering and so prevalent for us that I wanted to share it with other people. So 
culture wellness is certainly based in making sure the education's out there, but um, I also created the culture wellness starters and programs very specifically around rebalancing the gut. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful business and, and just love supporting people. And, and from that space and certainly around the creation of my beautiful cultures, which um, once again was just developed out of pure need of a mum trying to um, support her children. And um, it, it got to the point that these beautiful cultures were really starting to change people's lives and um, certainly changing our lives. And then um, what then happened with the whole connection with Cindy and I <laughs> ending up in the Solomon Islands barefoot on an island with lays around our necks <laughs> was my dear, my dear brother has worked for many years with um, World Vision and so he was, you know, really on the ground doing a lot of strate- you know, strategy with World Vision and he introduced me to some incredible people in the Solomon Islands from Coconut Pacific Solomon Islands and um, we went over to visit them and it was about me thinking, wow, they have this incredible resource of these amazing coconuts which we use for our cultures and wouldn't it be amazing if we went over to visit them? So the first time I went, it was really just exploratory. How do they make this incredible coconut oil that um, you know they sell to Australia and what do they do over there? And so when I got there for this first trip, I saw them, Kim, cracking these coconuts open and throwing this liquid gold coconut water onto the ground so they could then make the oil. And I was like, what? People pay a fortune in Australia for that. And it's not, you know, this beautiful, unprocessed, just, you know, incredible coconut water. So, of course, me being me and, you know, let's ferment anything that moves. I was like, you could ferment that, you know, with our cultures. And so, um, sure enough, our second visit, um, I went over there, um, ended up being part of this incredible DFAT funded grant. So the Department of Foreign Affairs. So through um, you know our uh, collaboration with World Vision and Department of Foreign Affairs, we um, received over two hundred thousand dollar grant to work with the people at KPSI to ferment out that precious coconut water with the culture wellness cultures. And you know off we went with this incredible collaboration of. Um, you know, our cultures, the benefits that they, um, you know, obviously give to people with regards to their gut health, their immune health, the nutrient deficiencies, and then, of course, sustainable um, economies in Solomon Islands for making the fermented foods. So it's been an incredible journey and it's one of those things, you know, when you're working hard at something for a very long time, and then you have that moment when it comes into fruition, which is, of course, where Cindy just waltzed on in. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty um, extraordinary, isn't it, the life and the opportunities mm. and, and what you see. But I have to acknowledge you for the way you do seize an opportunity and, and then also Miss Cindy O'Meara, the way, the minute she, I don't even know if you took a breath before you said yes. So tell us how that came to you both going. <laughs> well, um, let me start yeah. and then Cindy, Cindy will tell her. So, 
Um, so I've been over quite a few times, had this amazing, you know, funding from the Department of Foreign Affairs, the Australian government funding this project and really prioritising health and, you know, sustainable um, economies. And so I needed to go over this time for the big launch of it all coming together. And as part of that, I needed to take a companion with me because it um, wasn't appropriate for me to travel on my own. So, of course, who was the first person that I thought of as my companion to come along? I said, Cindy, do you want to come to the Solomons? Yep. Okay, done. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I had no idea why I was going. I just went, yeah, I'll come. <laughs> So even on the plane, she's like, sorry, who's funding this project? Who's, what? You know, (laughs) and sure enough, you know, as soon as we got off the plane, you, Cindy was completely okay. I know what's going on, who we need to talk to, how we can make this change. And, um, and gosh, we're a dynamic duo of, um, yeah, we were the right companions for each other. That's for sure. So Hmm. what was your gut feeling around um, Kirsty asking you this. I mean, it's not like you were going for a holiday. You were actually asked to come to help with education. Of course, it's all about um, being a, t- a change maker, both of you. What was your th- first thoughts? I appreciate you asking what it was actually about and why, but I bet there was an intuition, a gut intuition, if you like, about going. What was that? Well, you know what my brother says about life I want to travel the world and have a good time. Well, that was my gut intuition. Kirsty's asked me to go to the Solomons. I'm going to travel the world and have a good time. But I also knew that Kirsty was going um, because of her love of being a change maker and being an educator. And even though I didn't know exactly what I was doing, I felt that I was going to be her support. That was that was my main thing that I was going to be her support. And then the week before she go, we go. She says to me, "Now you're okay at speaking at the university and the hospital and to the Ministry of Health." I went, "Really." I just thought I was carrying your bags. I didn't know that I was had anything to do with it. But I got to tell you that it was the most incredible four days of understanding a country, understanding its health issues, understanding that they have the power to change, um, but realising that they are in, like everybody else in the world, they are under the, the guise of, you know, Western nutrition is good, this is what you should eat, this will give you food security, and yet it is creating wasting in children and it is creating diabetes in a, at a diabolical level with limbs being taken off within the, you know, within the old population. And so... I realised that, you know, I realised as soon as we got there what this was all about. But, you know, like I'm a bit slow when it comes to things like that. I really did think I was just carrying a bag. (laughs) And (laughs) ultimately that was the start and I was like, you know what, I'm speaking at the University of Honiara. Why not get Cindy up? And then so I kind of just dobbed her in, let's be honest. Yeah, well, Um, you couldn't have dobbed in a better person. I I know, and then I was like, Cindy, do you think you would have just sat there? (laughs) So, guys, there was one story that you told, and uh, forgive me if I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but there was a story, Cindy, that you told about that little baby. Mm. I'd just love you to share with us, give us a description of of what it's actually like there in the Solomons because this story summed it up for me in in a matter of words. 
Yeah, we we um, got to the hospital and um, we had a talk with the, you know, the CEO of the hospital who was a, a medical doctor. And then we met, met some pediatricians and we went to the pediatrician ward and I wouldn't look. I kind of was glazing and Kirsty kept knocking me, you know, nudging me to look at this little baby that was like within a foot of us. And this little baby, he, he or she looked like a preemie, but... I figured about six months old because of the look in the eyes and uh, just some things. And this little baby had its arm out and I think it had a needle in its arm and I could just see it staring into space, wasting away and doing this little... (laughs) And both Kirsty and I, I think we just about lost it at that point. And you could see these mothers sitting beside their babies and fathers laying with their babies with the mothers there. And I don't, I think they were like stunned. They didn't know what was happening to the babies. They didn't know, you know, how to help their babies. And and that was the saddest thing, I, I think. And then to find out, I think this is where Kirsty and I just lost the plot you know, to find out what the what UNICEF and the World Health Organization um, had for these babies to take in order to stop their wasting disease or their malnutrition, I, th- I think that's what shocked us probably the most. Would I say that, Kirsty? Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, as we said, we just wanted to take them home and just <laughs> wrap them up and feed them and. Um, because we'd, we'd heard about this, well, I, in my first visit um, many years ago, I'd heard about this peanut supplement food. And so, you know, what is this? And trying to get information about this um, supplement food. And then eventually, you know, Cindy and I really, we are going to get our hands on this. We're going to look at what it is and we're going to read the ingredients. We really want to know about it. And thankfully, the paediatric doctor was just so wonderful. He was so um, all-encompassing in us being there and sharing his knowledge on what's going on on the ground and being so open to learning from us about bacteria and fermented foods and gut health. He really was just so open, which was such a great experience. And so we left the office with the CEO and walked down the stairs and through the hospital. And of course, this is not a hospital that we would expect in an Australian environment. So, you know, as you're walking through the corridors, there's beaten up, you know, gurneys just sort of on the side of the corridors. And, um, you know, obviously it's a developing country. And, you know, we walked into the paediatric ward and saw this little baby and then walked over to this replacement food and Mm. got our hands on it. And we didn't even need to read past the second ingredient before. Like I, I physically felt sick reading it. And because we've got this picture of this baby in our minds, we've only seen this little baby holding on to life by a thread of a breath. And then we walk just, a, you know, a couple of steps away and, and we see this food and, oh, and it's just everything to hold yourself from, you know, this is hopeless. What are we going to do? So, mm. I mean, Cindy, you, you're better at explaining what's in this food. That's your 
Yeah. So, so it's in a, a plastic, um, like I guess a, a what would you call it? A muesli size, not like a muesli a size, like a bar sachet. You know, like the size of a uh, like a protein bar. So it's in this plastic sachet. It's red and white. It's called a RUTF, which stands for a ready-to-use therapeutic food. So it's a therapeutic food. It's called Plumpy Nut. And as we turned it over, we found the ingredients that read like this. Peanuts, sugar, skim milk powder, vegetable oils, including canola, palm, soya in varying proportions, stabiliser, fully hydrogenated vegetable fat, so that's margarine, mono and diglycerides. Then it had a, a vitamin and mineral complex that we, it didn't talk about what that vitamin and mineral complex was. So I had to come home to Australia. Kirsty and I came back home to Australia and we looked it up. And so basically the nutrients um, that are in it are calcium, phosphorus, potassium, magnesium, zinc, copper, iron, iodine, selenium and sodium. So a scant amount of minerals um, but obviously what is there to help a child to survive. Um, and then your vitamins were A, D, E, C, B1, 2, 6, B12, K, biotin, folic acid, niacin and panathenic acid. Once again, for me, you know, it's, it's the basics. It's it, what gives it. But the calories is 500 calories. And the prescription is that at the age of six months, before that they want you to breastfeed. But at the age of six months, babies are allowed to take this. And what they do is they cut the plastic wrap and it's like a peanut butter. That's what it's like. And they squeeze it into the mouth of the child, basically. And they do that three times a day until malnutrition is stopped. And that's about, I think, was it seven kilos of weight gain? I think they had to do, which I mm. think they believe to be seven to eight weeks. But as Kirsty and I know, and there are malnourished obese children in this country. So weight gain is not a measurement for, you know, health. But even though it seems to be the way, like Kirsty and I must sound like the biggest, you know, know-it-alls when you think, well, the World Health Organization and UNICEF all think this is great. We, we were just, I just actually went into how can they think that this is okay? And knowing agriculture, I see in there like peanuts will probably be sprayed. And, you know, this is my pet hate, but peanuts will probably be sprayed with or around with Roundup. If it's sugar beet, it will be um, GM with Roundup on it. Um, if the cattle are fed grain, the skim milk powder will have Roundup or glyphosate. The vegetables, if it's GM rapeseed or canola, it will have Roundup. Um, soya definitely will have Roundup on it. Um, and then you've got vegetable fats. How much is in that? Um, and so I have actually bought this food home to have it tested because what if we're putting a food into these little babies and we're killing their microbiome? And and Kirsty could tell you better than me, but we do, we know when when they're when the microbiome is healthy and there's abundance of nutrients being made by gut bacteria, it will make the B vitamins, K, the aromatic amino acids, the iron carriers, the coenzyme Qs, the butyrates and, um, and, and so much more. And when we combine that with Kirsty's stunning product, her, the coconut cream and the coconut water that has been 
with her gorgeous cultures fermented, we know that the coconut flesh is high in fibre, vitamin C, E, B1, B3, B5, B6, the minerals iron, selenium, sodium, calcium, magnesium, phosphorus. So here we have a country with an abundance of food, an abundance of coconuts that are on the side of the road, and they're making this food in India and it's $2, by the way, Australian, to feed these kids this food. That's the cheapness of this food. Because um, I want you to continue with what, you know, you see um, as a clinical trial that you talked about, you know, that is possible for us to do. Um, yeah, why, why don't you talk about that? Because I just feel that um, I just think it's the answer. Um, mm. you know, it just is, you, like, I was so excited, but I don't know if they're going to listen to us. <laughs> oh, they will. Um, <laughs> I bet you love it. <laughs> well, um, let's take it one step back for the first part of the funding, uh, with, you know, the joint venture between Culture Wellness yes. and Coconut Pacific Solomon Islands through that launch series, DFAT Funding. When I was over there that first time and I said, you've got all these resources, you could be fermenting this, selling it to in the local economy and have it as another income stream. And so, of course, that's where that whole trade comes in and where the funding came from. Then we, so then Cultured Wellness went over and trained the food scientists and trained Coconut Pacific over there on how to ferment our cultures with their beautiful coconuts. Raw, unprocessed, you know, nothing had been done to them. And then the second step of that funding was we actually um, were able to train a couple of different um, Solomon Island villages on how to make it so then they could then feed and supply and sell to their um, their local village. And so, you know, part of the funding, it was incredible. They found these freezers and these fridges that were, ran on solar because these villages don't have any power. And so they were able to ferment these beautiful products and then put them in this little freezer or fridge that had that solar power. And so, you know, off goes this beautiful economy. Now, that had been going along and it was very successful and lots of the um, villagers who ha were having the cultures made by the, you know, local village people were saying, I feel so much better. Remember, Cindy, that guy said, oh, I've been having that and I can see now. Like, yeah. you know, and I don't have pain and my tummy is better and the kids don't have diarrhoea and all of the incredible feedback that, you know, we get here in Australia from our cultures. But it's even more poignant when you've got little kids with failure to thrive and constant diarrhoea and, um, you know, it, it is quite dangerous for them over there because they really don't have the nutrients to have that buffer like we do here. And so, you know, we've got these incredible um, villages as these trials. And then Microba, who many um, of you may or may not know about, which is an incredible lab um, here in Australia, they actually joined the project to do a case study on we did some pre-testing of their gut microbiome. So Microba sent over 30 stool kits so testing their poo, <laughs> so sent it over, 
And the, um, at one particular island, collect, you know, they collected all of the information, sent it back and microbes sequenced the data. And then they started having the cultures and then they measured afterwards how had the cultures affected their gut microbiome. And so we, we know and um, the funding has seen that these cultures are making a big difference. We've been able to you know, provide the research studies as to why it is just as powerful as supplement food. So we've been able to get some incredible runs on the board with the um, local dignitaries and um, the local hospital and local businessmen. You know, this stuff is powerful and it can make a change. And so then we're moving forward into this next phase of funding, which is really about let's use the, the culture wellness yogurt using local coconuts falling off the trees, laying around everywhere as the supplement food in the hospital as opposed to this plumpy peanut because we're going through the testing at the moment to see, okay, how does the yogurt, the culture wellness yogurt, fermented yogurt stack up to this plumpy peanut? Because if it stacks up nutrient-wise, you know, calorie-wise, um, with all of the micro and macronutrients, if it stacks up, let's use that in the hospital as opposed to a product that is made somewhere else, costs a fortune to ship in, you know, even right down to the wrapping, all of those things that end up, you know, just clogging up the, you know, Solomon Islands. So this next phase that we're pushing really hard for is to have it as a clinical trial that we will have, you know, obviously kids on the plumpy peanut, but we'll also have children on the culture wellness yogurt and then we'll be able to collect some incredible grounded data using microbe to get their tests to show this amazing natural resource that you have and once you ferment it will just be as powerful as having this food but of course, it doesn't have any inflammatory components to it like the supplement food does. And it provides, you know, work for the, you know, in the local community. It provides Coconut Pacific Solomon Islands with, um, you know, another way of using their coconuts and, you know, pumping money back into the community. So that's our next funding. And so Cindy and I met with the secretary to the high commissioner and the deputy high commissioner and we were, we were you know so let's talk about some funding and let's talk about our next project so yeah we're preparing all of the research papers preparing all the information so the uh, doctors have all of the knowledge that they need to go to the ethics committee so we can move into this next really exciting phase of um, this clinical trial so, ladies, I, I get the impression that what started out initially as a provider for the products that you guys both sell as a part of your business has become a mission from the heart in order to help the small nation of only just over half a million people. My question to you both then is if we can help a smaller nation like this, is there a bigger picture for both of you in this in that you can take the lessons and learnings and bring it back into our own countries because let's face it we're not exactly the healthiest on the planet either so what's your big vision with this having uh, experienced it in the smaller nations oh kimmy one step at a time <laughs> <laughs> you know you know um i i did a little bit of research on you know this 
um, root, if they call it, R-U-T-F, it's a ready-to-use therapeutic food or the, the, um, the plumpy nut. And it started off at, for, like, people in Africa there where, where there was no food. But you go to the Solomons, the food's on the side of the road, the bananas are there, the, the taro um, is found um, they, they do a fermented food and they have to get the taro out of the swamp. So it's found in swamps. You've, you've got coconuts everywhere. You've got, you've got food for, for Africa, you could say, in the Solomons. I think for me, if you can start in a, in a country like that, this is my thought, if you can start in a country like that where the bureaucracy is not like it is here, it, it, things are slow, but I don't think the bureaucracy is like it here is in Australia. Like the root of the, the, the plumpy nut is like any food that you find here in Australia on the supermarket shelf. It's just that there's millions of them in Australia and there's only one um, that is being fed to these kids that have got wasting disease or, you know, severe malnutrition. So I, I think start there. Um, and show how a, a local food using a local economy and improving the local economy can actually make a difference to, you know, the people and the people's health. And then I guess if we, we look at Australia, I think that's what Kirsty and I and anybody else that's into this health um, realm is trying to achieve. And I think it's growing and people are becoming more aware and they read the ingredients but what gets me, Kim, and is why did those doctors not read those ingredients? Why are they not seeing that the second ingredient is sugar and all of those other things? Because they're not taught. So I think ultimately we need to teach our doctors because our doctors are there to help. Our doctors are not there to make people sick. Like the two pediatricians that we met, oh, my gosh, they wore their heart on their sleeve. They, they were just stunning, weren't they? Oh, just, yeah. And it was so wonderful, wasn't it, Cindy? Because one of them was a visiting resident from um, Melbourne and, you know, we were talking about the gut microbiome and different strains of probiotics and, and gosh, he was just so knowledgeable and we were riffing off each other about all these different um, bacteria strains and what the neonates use and how important it is to have specific strains and, oh, it gave me so much joy to know that, yeah, this guy's onto it. And then remember when I said, yeah, it's just a real shame because it seems to me from talking to the locals, the antibiotics are just handed out like candy mm. here. And he goes, didn't he? He put his head to the ground mm. and said, don't talk to me about antibiotics. And yeah, I was like, was this is brilliant. Yeah, I was like, this is the next generation of doctors who um, have that real breadth of knowledge that they're, you know, they're acknowledging that, um, they need to have an understanding of the different types of bacteria strains and gut health and, um, yeah, they're, they're, he just seemed really onto it. So I was, I was so happy. Mm. Um, I just I want to add there, though, that I'm really glad that he asked you the questions because your knowledge is incredible and I watched you um, able to answer everything that he asked and I bet he didn't know half of what you asked. But then he said something that I didn't exactly understand and it was something about a probiotic that they pulled from the neonatal ward because it caused something, a death. What, what was that? 
Yeah, so they were using um, beautiful probiotics specifically that they know are very helpful for neonates and a bacteria strain that in those first few months and weeks and days of life are really beneficial for a little baby to take on mother's milk and to thrive. And uh, one child over in Germany had a reaction and on the documentation died from this probiotic that was administered. Now, of course, I I would like to see exactly what happened, what other medication which this baby was also on and have a really good review of that. But unfortunately, because of that one specific incident, this probiotic had been pulled from the, the protocols in the neonate, which makes me so sad because... I know from first-hand experience from knowing many doctors and nurses that there are a lot of deaths in hospitals Mm. from medications and mistakes and over-prescribed drugs and those drugs don't get pulled. But we have one death from basically a harmless bacteria strain and it gets pulled. Mm. So that, yeah, that was really, really disappointing to hear that. Very disappointing. Yeah, I could see, I could see that, and I, and we both said that we both went, well, you know, how many babies die from, well, we could say a million things, mm-hmm. and and just one um, had, and I find that really frustrating because we know that a healthy microbiome, we understand that mother's milk is filled with, you know, things, uh, immunological factors as well as bacteria to help the baby's immune system and to help the microbiome um, establish and, and, and then something like that happens and they go, oh, we'll just make everything sterile again. It just was yeah. very disappointing. Yeah. Ladies, you both spoke, the, said that you both spoke at the university to the Ministry of Health. Can you tell us all what you spoke to them about? Like how do you create change and instigate inspiration for change uh, at that university level? Well, what a surprise for us because um, we really, you know, we'd been invited to speak at the university and um, going to the Solomons, you never quite know what's going to happen when you get there. So you just, you're very flexible and you just go with whatever goes on. So we turned up and we were, it was a beautiful lecture theatre and little did we know there was sort of about 150 people in this lecture theatre. So we um, gave this, you know, pres- I, I gave my presentation first and then Cindy gave hers. And because of the nature of a lack of access to um, fast internet or any internet at all, lack of ability to be able to download research papers, Um, And also just to be able to understand clinical trials and things that are happening in other places, there were, um, yes, the Ministry of Health, there was nurses, there was doctors, there was um, practitioners there, and it was incredible. Their thirst for this knowledge of our presentations, which, of course, you know, we had the research papers there and, the um, you know, the science that they needed for their positions and us to be able to explain to them what is going on out with this amazing new knowledge and breakthroughs in gut health and gut-brain connection and, um, you know, malnutrition and all the things that they were so keen to learn and diabetes, which is a huge issue. And so... Very rarely in Australia would you have in a room 
such a diverse array of people. So we had, you know, people from the High Commission, people from, you know, the doctor's clinics. We had people, there was one guy that was there as an intermediary with the, one of the mining companies. We, we, they, there was just really everyone there and someone who, you know, been working with the World Health Organization. And we were able to touch so many people in all these diverse fields in this one presentation. Um, and so we were able to make such significant change um, in their thought processes and chatting with them afterwards and supporting them around um, forwarding on information. And then, of course, what a wonderful time we had at the Ministry of Health. So, Cindy, do you want to explain even the room that we went into? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and um, Esther, was it Esther? Was that her name? Esther. The, the beautiful lady that you just wanted to oh, move into her house with. Into yeah. her house, yeah. Actually, before I talk about the Ministry of Health, I, I want to go back to um, the university because after there was a lot of questions and uh, we actually had a GP come up to us and say, can you do a prescription for a diet? Mm. They realised that what they needed was to be able to give a prescription to a diet for a diet. And so I have her email. She's emailed me. And, you know, the thing is, is I can't give a prescription to a Western diet. I have to give a prescription that is the Solomon Islands. So Solomon Islands are very much like the Catavas. The Catavas have been studied forever. Their, their food is high carbohydrate, but it also has fish and coconuts. So it's high in saturated fat. It has its protein, but then it has lots of the root vegetables, the bananas, the papaya, the mango, whatever is in season. So it's it's almost like you you know you would have to do that as well as using the cultures and and how to do that. But the, you know the issue was is there's there's no refrigeration, um, and those that live in Honiara, you know it's a crowded place, and them getting fresh food is through the markets. But then uh, look, it it became really difficult. But Kirsty and I do need to get together and decide. Well, what is the best prescription for them? What do as far as prescription as a diet? So I felt that the the university lecture really, really opened the minds of everybody and especially, you know, the GPs and the, the professors and everybody else that was there, including the locals, the locals that had come and, you know, were you could see them nodding as we, we spoke about their cultures and their foods and, um, you know, how they should be eating. So, yeah, that was, that was incredible. But, yes, going to the Ministry of Health. <laughs> so we're in um, this room. It's hot um, because it is hot there. And, like, it's, it's like a room in a classroom from the 1930s, I'd say. Mm. Mm. And we all sit around this table with uh, I think there's two men in the room. One is with us from Coconut Pacific uh, and then uh, uh, women and women that are nutritionists, dietitians, uh, a midwife. And the midwife sat next to Kirsty, and I fell in love with her. I absolutely fell in love with her because she talked. We talked about the ferments. We talked about, you know, all of the all cultures had ferments, and so we spoke about that. And then she began, and she began, and and she told us all about how they fermented certain foods, how they made. What was it, Mari or Marzi? What was it, Kirsty? Can you remember? Yeah, Marzi. Marzi. Yeah. And, and she, you know, she relived what they did 
on the islands and and how they they were making these and we need, and we needed to go back to them. I wish I had all the recipes. I just wanted to go live with her for a year and um, <laughs> learn all about it. But it it created an incredible discussion, mm. and that was when the clinical trial came up and we talked about, well, why can't you do a clinical trial where you give half of the, the kids that have wasting disease this peanut and sugar vegetable fat laced with probably, I, I don't know because I haven't done the test, laced with a broad-spectrum antibiotic chelating agent and, uh, yeah, and so much more um, because everybody gets sick of me saying that word so I just don't say it anymore. Um, <laughs> You know, and then the others, you know, the other half do the cultures of the coconut cream and the coconut water. Like, I, I, I can't see how we can't, we can't see that you will not only see them gain weight, but you will see them increase um, their health and their immunity and their microbiome diversity and, and so much more. Mm. And it was exciting, wasn't it, Kirsty, to see the nodding? Yeah. You know, and we, and we took the took the yogurt there, yeah, yogurt, and it and you know we last time I went to um, Ministry of Health, we took the yogurt and and they were like, can you just leave the jar here? We'll finish <laughs> it off for you. And it was no different this time. It was, um, you know, we want more of that. And how can we make it? And where can we get it from? And Oh, and, you know, it was nothing more beautiful for us to see mm. that after the um, talk at the university and also going to see the Ministry of Health, we were out at Coconut Pacific and people were turning up to purchase the yoghurt. Well, they I sold out. <laughs> yeah, they sold out. And, and it's, um, you know, that's economy for KPSI, but it's also just for me seeing that beautiful bacteria going out to all these gut microbiomes. It just, oh, I've never had so much joy. But, so, um, so, ladies, can I just interrupt you there? I, I, I'm curious. It's staggering me. The Solomon Islands is an older nation. It would have had Indigenous cultures there, I'm assuming. It's great that you guys are there to try and help them get it right. But my question to you guys is where did they go wrong? Well, that is such a great question that I was um, hoping that we would get to because in that Ministry of Health meeting when we were sitting there, we asked exactly that. So they wanted me to do a bit of, like a little bit of a lecture or a presentation about gut health and what's going on. And I just thought, no, I just want to turn this around and what are you guys dealing with on a daily basis? What are you faced with and what's happening? We want to know on the ground what's going on because there's no point in us going there and talking to think about food security. Now, food security is we are literally starving and we have no food to eat and so rice has become this staple of food security where if I can't afford the vegetables if I can't grow the vegetables if I can't catch any fish I know that I've got a bowl of rice and so we're seeing you know these big rice companies coming into the Solomon Islands and selling their rice and people you know literally eating about a kilo of rice a day per person and they're you know they're obviously not designed their bodies aren't made up to be able to digest assimilate absorb and manage that much processed carbohydrates and that much rice and so really um 
Cindy, you, you might be able to remember, but really it was only, what, 20 years ago that rice even came into the Solomon Islands as a food. It's not, it's not a food that, you know, it has traditionally been in their culture. And so everyone that we spoke to, everyone from the doctors to the nurses to the locals when we went out on the boats out into the islands, everyone said things have changed, diabetes has escalated, health has declined since rice came to the Solomon Islands. So it was really about that moving away from traditional food, moving away from, you know, what was made by the elders and by the local people and going to rice as this food security. And now there's a whole generation of mothers that actually don't know what to feed their kids because it's just rice. That's what you make is rice. And they also said that if a man catches a fish or you give a man a fish, he will swap it for rice because he sees the rice as something that's going to feed his family and as food security as opposed to the fish, which, yeah, which is stunned me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so the uh, last time I went to the Solomon Islands um, and I spoke to the Ministry of Health, I said, you know what, you are at a, an incredible, amazing crossroad and such a great opportunity to not follow down the path that we in Western culture have done. You've got an opportunity to make a change now and go back to your traditional foods because, it, you know, it, not everyone has crossed over to that. And, you know, you could just stop this 50 years of, <laughs> of processed foods that we've hit here in Australia. And, you know, we were so fortunate. You know, we went out on these incredible canoes out to a very, very remote island and got to see and, you know, Cindy got to see how they grow their vegetables on these huge, you know, veggie patches and, and how they still grow and make and, you know, consume all of the traditional foods. And they're robust and they're healthy and they're doing well. And it's in Honiara where people have come in and lost that way and they're eating this kilo of rice of a day is where we see the amputated limbs and the failure to thrive children. And it's, it's absolutely diabolical. It's not just, you know, a runny nose. This is, it's so serious. Yeah. And I, I also um, asked if I could stop at a grocery store. So, because I didn't want to go to the university and not know what they were eating. So we stopped at a grocery store and it's called Bulk Foods. And you go in there and it's like our grocery store, but in a very small way and you know there wasn't a lot of fresh fruit and vegetables there was a lot of you know tin foods and you know all of those things that we have in our grocery stores but in a smaller way but what blew me away is how many of them it were in Honiara and a new one had just been opened that was up near where uh, we went on a jam session <laughs> with, um, with the high um, consulate um, so it was I looked at it and I went they're just getting bigger just like Australia, um, those grocery stores are going to get bigger and people are going to go more to it. But if you go to the markets, the markets in the city of, um, in the centre of Honiara, it was just rows and rows and rows of green vegetables and um, like all plant foods and fish and just, it was stunning. And we've done mm. the same thing here. You know, we, we go to the grocery store, we 
buy off the shelf thinking that it's okay, but it's just laced with sugar and vegetable oils and acidity regulators and fillers and stabilizers. Instead of realizing that the true wealth of the country is at those markets in those foods. And I think, you know, like, like Kirsty said, the comparison between Honiara and this island province and where they grew everything and they all, all lived well. But I must admit, rice was seeping in there, wasn't it, Kirsty, into that island? Oh, yeah. And yeah. we saw a few malnourished little kids. Mm, we did and you know gosh we we were just hosted so beautifully we felt felt like dignitaries and (laughs) got got off the boat and had lays put around our necks and we had to sit it you know in this special spot that had all been decorated and lots of speeches and what was sad for me was that a a full beautifully prepared buffet had been made for us so Mm. cassava taro um, potatoes and chicken prepared in this beautiful sauce and um, greens and, you know, beautiful freshly cut fruit. And then the rest of the village went down to another main hut, which was, uh, I assume, where they did most of their cooking. And most of the meal was just rice and none of the things that we had been offered or we were eating. And once again, it's that food security, limited resources and, um, yeah, so, it, you know, it was, it's kind of that hard mix between, you know, knowing what is appropriate but also not even, not having access to enough of it for everyone as well. So There must um, also be that real sense of um, understanding farming principles, understanding where they're located, understanding their raw, um, beautiful um, food supplies and things like that so how do you get them to go back to what they have apart from you guys educating the authorities around gut microbiome and gut health and nutrition and the importance of that how do you get the beautiful people in the village to believe that rice is not as is not what it's all cracked up to be how how Mm. do you convert that i think that's actually easier than honiara because they are still living that traditional way and then like Kirsty said, you know, we went there and they'd been eating the coconut cream and the coconut water that had been fermented. And, um, you know, there was one man that spoke out and said how good he was feeling. So I, like anything, you just start small and then it just grows. There seems to be something that grows. Like, you know, even this food supplement, it would have started small and it's just grown. And now it's, worldwide just like margarine like that we can change it we've just got to we've got to have the energy to say we're not going to put up with this we're going to do something we're going to make a difference we're going to keep going back until at least we can get that village to realize to add some of the coconut fiber and the yogurt to their rice you know that's a start it's it might be only a small thing but it's a start and when you can get these big multinationals in australia that provide most of our wheat and our breads and our cookies and all that through the grocery stores, when you can get them to make one ingredient change, maybe two ingredient changes and over four years make five ingredient changes, then I think it's it's a start, Kim. I I just know that we're not going to turn this big cargo ship that is like out of control around in a day we're going to have to just do it step by step and I feel that a village in the Solomon Islands would be a good place to start what do you think Kirsty? Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Look, I can honestly say to you guys that you could 
just listening to you both, you could put the whole of the Solomon Islands, the whole model and everything you've both said, and really it's a metaphor for Australia, for New Zealand, for even our so-called modern cultures because you just replace the word rice with processed foods. And yes. we, we have undernourished children. We have um, people being given... Uh, you, you only need to go into a, a local hospital to see what they give people that are malnourished. And I dare say it's very similar to that, that plumping nut. Um, so I, I really don't think that what you guys have discovered is anything different here. It would be amazing to take what you're learning there and bring that back to the authorities here. But... Like you say, Cindy, have we got the power? How does two gorgeous blondes that obviously live what they speak about and they're so passionate about instigating change, how do you help turn that around in this nation? Yeah, well, it comes down to research papers, clinical trials grounded in the research and providing that information which is so important. And then. Can I, can I interrupt you though, Kirsty? Yeah. Like, why do I have to have. That piece I know. Of paper when <laughs> I see farmers living this, when you go, you know, we've interviewed people like Kale Brock talking about the blue zones where they just eat real food, they have community, they have regenerative farming, they have people with purpose, they talk to their elderly. Why on earth do we have to have the science and the research papers? And when you're talking about, when, when, when I just, I don't need the science, I just need yeah. to know that my family's well. Yeah. And, and that goes back to that, um, you know, that sort of chain of command and that process. It, it's a lot different in Australia than it is in the Solomon Islands. And we've just put so many processes and barriers and decision-making <laughs> processes in place to get to where we need to go with regards to how we manage. Um, in Australia, it's just a, a lot more red tape. And so let, we don't, uh, the best way is not to go through the red tape but through that groundswell of everyone just making a change themselves and then eventually there won't be any requests or demands for processed foods because people won't want it. And then, you know, big business and economy will have to follow suit. I mean, we're seeing it already. Coca-Cola has bought um, into kombucha and, you know, Lions Brewery has bought into kombucha. Like these are the big guys that can see, hang on a minute, People are requesting different things. The consumers want, um, even though, you know, I'm not going to get started on kombucha and how we're supposed to have it, but, you know, it's not Coke. Like there has been this movement and it's coming from the ground up. And so we need to start there, but we also need for, you know, that, that red tape, we need those clinical trials as well. And Solomon Islands is a great place to get that done. Can I ask you both? how this trip, this four days in a beautiful part of the world with amazing people, with big smiles on their faces, regardless of the crisis that they're in, how has it changed you both? <laughs> you can go first, Cindy. Um, how did it change? I, I think the island was the most phenomenal. I could have stayed there. Uh, if I'd had yeah. a tent, I probably would have pitched it and stayed. <laughs> yeah. I, and it also brings you back to what life's all about. You know, they didn't have, well, I saw a couple with phones on the island, but I didn't see, I didn't see Wi-Fi, I didn't see any of that stuff. I don't know, it just brings you back to the basics. And, and as I've been saying that I'm listening to this Earth Child series that is all about, you know, 
the life that we did lead, which was about hunting and food and culture and families and traditions and talking and connection and all of those things, it's in the Solomon Islands. It's on those islands. We don't have to go back thousands of years. It's sitting right there. And I, I, I loved it. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. And I, and I can't go, I can't live that life, but I can emulate it as much as I can. And mm. I don't have to go with no electricity and things like that, even though I do like to do that on occasion, such as Kirsty and I doing our lovely <laughs> five, six day hike where we're not going to see a soul. <laughs> um, intense with no, you know, nothing. I, I can at least emulate that and I can do that as part of my life and part of my lifestyle. So I just think it brings back family and tradition and culture for me. I, th- I think that's the, the biggest thing. What about you, Kirsty? Yeah, I mean, look, when we were on that island and these beautiful children just singing and laughing and being cheeky and having running races and, and you know, we said, look, there's no way that you would go into a neighbourhood in Australia and all the kids would run out and start singing and clapping and having running races with you and... Um, they think you were weird. Yeah, you just wouldn't have it. I mean, I'm quite fortunate. I'm looking out now on my field across the road from my house and sure enough, there are about 15 of the community kids out playing <laughs> soccer. So, I, I, you know, I live in a special place. But those kids, we don't, we don't have that anymore. And so for me, it was once again an affirmation of, I'm, you know, all of those poignant things about community and nature and making sure that every day the decisions that you make are, you know, grounded in what brings joy and not being Mm. caught up in what we're supposed to do or caught up in all of the latest and greatest and all those kinds of things. And it really just does come down to beautiful health, you know, families that are thriving, being amongst your community and making sure that everyone's safe and well looked after and being responsible for each other as a community um, yeah, and not getting, you know, you always come back from those places like, oh, gosh, I think I got a bit caught up in that or that's not important and this is important and and it just fired me up mm. even more that, um, yeah, there's a lot of change that needs to be had and every child deserves the best and shouldn't be lying on that hospital bed taking a last breath. I think what you've both given me is is the most obvious thing, and that is to use our our most natural resources that we have available. And and the wastage does not need to be wasted when you have amazing cultures and incredible abilities to ferment, as we've done through time and time again with with culture and traditions. So. I just want to honour you on behalf of all of our listeners, both of you, for the work that you're doing. Um, Kirsty, I can't begin to tell you how humble I am to, to watch your journey and to see what you're doing and the change, that the, the humble culture you began with for your beautiful son, for your family, is now impacting nations and in particular ours. And you couldn't have taken a better person with you. I mean, Karen and I constantly sing the praises of Cindy O'Meara and what she's doing and her knowledge and her tenacious fight for what should be natural and what was always a part of our our past uh, needs to come back if we indeed do want to create, as she says, a tsunami of change. So unless either of you got anything else to finish on, I would love to to just ask, is there anything, any parting words either of you have got for our beautiful listeners? 
Oh, I think I've said everything. Yeah. I'm just, um, yeah, I think I've had said absolutely everything. It was, it really was just incredible. And a bit of the watch this space, Cindy and I have got, you know, we've got plans, we've got things, we've got to, got to get done. So just keep following and keep supporting our, our little mission on this one. All right, and I think we need to put you guys in as Prime Minister and Minister for Health. <laughs> I want to go as the Deputy High Commissioner, actually. <laughs> they have a ball. They have an absolute ball. I think the one thing I would like to say, and especially if this young lady is listening, is that we had with us um, oh. Georgia. She was incredible, a young lady that's worked for Kirsty. Um, who's now doing her PhD, or was it her master's down Nancy. in Tassie? Who's all over the place. But mm. she she came and her dedication to this project as a young woman was, uh, I think, incredible. And it was interesting because, you know, I'm nearly 60, Kirsty's in her 40s, and here's this young lady in her 20s. And we had the most phenomenal <laughs> time as three different generations. And it was, I just want to honour her, I think. Um, especially if she's going to listen to this because I was incredibly humbled by her her tenacity, her feistiness and her knowledge um, of, you know, trying to make change happen. Mm. Oh, Cindy, that's so lovely because she, she is quite an amazing, incredible person. We had we had the grandma, the mum and the daughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, considering, yes, she is almost 60, we could put her up there, yes. Yes, I am. I, I would have said auntie if I was, if I was you, Kirsty, but I can't, we'll go with grandma. Oh, Cindy said it. I just I went did. with it. I just, said, I just said, well, you know, like if we had... If, to if, confirm it, Kirsty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, I, if I had Kirsty like at 16 and Kirsty had... Georgia at 16, we, you know, that would have been the Solomon Islands. That's, yeah. you know, and that would have been back in the old days. That's when we had babies. But Well, according to the World Health Organization and the Solomon Islands, the life expectancy is 70 for men and 73 for women. Oh. And the probability of dying under five is 21 in 1,000. It's pretty high, guys, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, I just want to acknowledge you. I know our time's up. You, I know you've both got to go, but I just on behalf of Karen and I just love to say on behalf of our listeners, thank you for the work that you're doing and for the lessons that we ourselves can take into our own home. I have to admit I have become a diversity doe, absolute enthusiast. I have <laughs> my cultures going. I have my kefir going. I'm just beside myself with what I'm doing with it. And that's just me in my little humble home. So my take home to you listening to this would be start using your ferments and cultures if you haven't started and keep going if you're using them because they really do create a beautiful, healthy microbiome that in, in turn helps you to make better decisions, be a better human, and, of course, um, contribute to society with a beautiful, healthy attitude. So thank you both again. And for all our listeners, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please go to, podcast, please go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat for any comments or feedback there to these two amazing, phenomenal souls. And, of course, you can go to the Facebook page forward slash up for a chat if you would like to place uh, post a comment there. We are really excited with all our beautiful interviews. Please, if you've loved today, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That's how we can keep spreading the message and letting people know of phenomenal souls like Kirsty and, of course, our amazing Cindy. So thank you again, beautiful souls. If you want to join us same place, same time next week to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world, then we'll see you there. 
This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.